welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And on this podcast, we talk about five main topics, marriage, money, mindset, health, and faith with an ultimate goal of generational change, meaning that we're just working on becoming 1% better every single day in either one of those areas or even more of those areas so that we can heal. And ultimately, you guys, that is going to lead to an overflow that our children will see. And that is how we stand strong in our purpose as mothers. It is not just about teaching them to do better (laughs) than us or, you know, asking them to do as I say, not as I do, but It's about taking the time and energy to work on ourselves, and I believe that this is automatically going to lead to a lifestyle change and just different conversations that are going to be so much more impactful for our babies. You know, we all want our ceilings to be our children's floor, and this is how and where we start with the small, seemingly insignificant, positive choices and conversations and thought patterns that we choose to do daily. And so today, you guys, I have a special guest for you, and we talk all about how your Enneagram type can influence your financial strengths and weaknesses. And I personally absolutely love the Enneagram. I was a little weary when it came out. I felt like it was kind of trendy, which is fine. I just, I have not had great (laughs) luck uh, with personality tests. Like I've taken the DISC test before, Um, just like different, different things that I've never quite felt connected to them. I've never really felt like, yeah, that's totally me. Never felt that until I found the Enneagram and I really started to dig in and learn more about it. And so now I have just really fallen in love. And when I heard that our guest today talks a lot about how it can be connected to your finances and your strengths and weaknesses, well, y'all know me. (laughs) I had to have her on. I literally had never, I had just found her on Instagram and I just voice messaged her and was like, oh my gosh, I need you on my podcast after seeing that she did that. Um, And so luckily, hey, she agreed. So here we are. So our guest today, you guys, is a type three Enneagram life coach who is on a mission to just help women live with deeper intention every single day. And she believes when we live with intention, we create a life that we love. But this has to start with the understanding of why we even do what we do, which we talk about a lot in this podcast conversation. And she is actually the podcast host of Living Enneagram. And her business provides coaching services and just courses to help women apply the Enneagram to their daily life so that they can really show up with confidence. And so without any further ado, please welcome Callie Amons. All right, Callie, welcome to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me, Stephanie. I'm so excited to talk about the Enneagram and money. Oh my gosh, I could we could probably talk for like forever. <laughs> 4 hours, yeah. Um especially cuz we were talking about before we hit record that we are both a three-wing two. So, here we are. Um okay, so can you just jump in before or before we jump in, can you just talk a little about a little bit about who you are, your story, kind of how did you even get into the Enneagram? Yeah, oh my word, such a good question. So, I about 4 years ago, almost 5 years ago, that's crazy. Um just really started learning about the power of living with intention. Like in my own life, um I felt like I had just kind of slept walked through life, just went to school, played sports, just kind of did whatever was coming up in the daily in my life, but I went through this season of really starting to question, like, what does it mean to be intentional 
in your life, in everything that you do. And it was just crazy how much freedom I was finding in my relationships, my marriage, at work, just everything. I'm starting to gain this confidence of like, wow, when you are intentional with what you do, you actually create a life you love to live. And in that season of me just like pursuing a very intentional lifestyle, I came across the Enneagram and anyone listening that's like, what the heck did she just say? It's called Enneagram. It's just a nine type personality assessment. And what it does is this assessment helps you focus on why you do what you do, like your internal motivation. So Stephanie already mentioned that her and I both are two type threes, wing twos. And what that means is that I'm a super ambitious person. And I used to always think like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, why am I so ambitious? Why, why do I see life so differently? And people would often tell me like, you're just too much Callie, or when is it going to be enough? Like just chill. But I never had this chill about me. I'm like, I just feel like there's so much room for growth in my life. And I had this passion to help people grow. So uh, yeah, I started learning about the Enneagram and learning like just like things that you never knew to put words to of like why I had that ambition. And that was impacting my life so much, even on a new level of what I was doing in my career and how I was communicating with my husband. And I became so in love with it that I was like, I want to get certified in this just personally, because I think this is amazing, an amazing tool that people can understand each other better and have compassion. But also if we start to understand like why we're so angry or why we're emotional or why we feel so offended at the text message we just got, now we start to have the position to work through those problems instead of just feeling like a victim to that situation. So in that season, when I was getting certified in the Enneagram, I had a podcast and I had a brand where I really was helping people live with intention, but the Enneagram just took it to a whole new level. And so I became a certified Enneagram life coach. And that's what I do full time now is I coach people one-on-one by using the Enneagram, but I'm really helping them figure out how do you want to win in life? What do you want to achieve? And how do you follow Jesus wholeheartedly? And I come alongside people and help them do that through the Enneagram. I love that. And I've listened, I've like watched some of your stuff, uh, or I think pretty much every single one now of (laughs) your, just like getting to know you, like you were saying beforehand, you know, before we get on here and have this conversation. But um, I think it's also, so this podcast interview, we're going to be talking a lot about how your Enneagram can affect your finances. And I think that it would be really great actually to lay some ground rules (laughs) for the Enneagram because I know that there are people, I know there are people in my life. First of all, I love the Enneagram. I like love it. Yeah. And I obviously you do too. <laughs> However, there are people who are like, eh, I feel like I don't like that kind of stuff because it, you know, people use it as an well, I'm an eight. That's why I'm rude. Or right. I'm this, this is why I'm this. And, and like that's not that's not really the case. And I and I'm I'm pretty sure I can speak for both of us where I don't think that you can or should use your Enneagram type as an excuse for anything or put yourself in a box or whatever. It is literally a tool and that's it. And so can you just speak on on really the, I don't know what the right word is, maybe parameters yeah. of how you use the, the boundaries around it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true and it really is so sad, like when we use it to weaponize against each other. So basically when we're looking at the Enneagram, it's talking about our internal world, which is so vulnerable. Like you can go read right now on the internet, the unhealthy parts of a type three, or I could just tell you about it. And it's true in my life. Like I can give you example after example of current situations. I'm working through unhealthy parts of my life because that's how we are as humans. And so when you're working with such a vulnerable tool, 
the Enneagram can be used in this negative way of saying like, oh, Stephanie, you're just being a three. Like you're just a workaholic. Well, that's a labeling on someone and that's speaking over Stephanie, something that's not empowering or who she's trying to become. And so that's the first thing is just like, how, how are you using the tool? Are you using it to weaponize against other people or to label people? Because that's not the intent of it. The intent of the Enneagram is for you to look inward at yourself and for you to figure out what's healthy and what's unhealthy within yourself so that you can experience more growth. And then the other thing is it's so fun and easy to try to type people, but that can also be really dangerous because Enneagram is all about your motivation, like why you do what you do. So, okay, Stephanie and I I are the same type, but we could both be very ambitious people and look very similar externally. But we could have been two different types because of our internal world. And so when you use the Enneagram to like label other people or to tell them who they are, that often leads people down a path of just like feeling really harsh towards the Enneagram. Um, And then there's the common thing of like, well, the Enneagram puts me in a box and it depends how you use it. So the Enneagram is actually designed to get you out of your box. It's to show you like, hey, this is what you're doing when you're unhealthy. And for Stephanie and I, when we're completely healthy, we're actually looking like parts of a healthy type six and a type nine and a type three. So we're not just the stereotype type three. You actually become this whole complete human as you learn to exercise the healthy parts of the Enneagram. There's so many layers to go in with that, but that's the goal of it. That's the heart behind it. And if you're someone who isn't ready to do deep work, to be self-aware, then the Enneagram probably isn't for you in this season. And that's okay. Like it would be better to not use it if you're not going to use it the way that it was intended. Absolutely. And I might have to ask you to come back on just to do a big overall general thing on the Enneagram (laughs) before we go specifically into finances, because I know some people do just know so much about it and some people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And but I the one of the main reasons we were talking about before also, I have done other personality tests and I'm not, you know, whatever, to each their own. People like different things. Mm -hmm. But I love that the Enneagram is so specific on, you know, this is where you go when you're in like growth. This is where you go when you're in stress. This is what you look like healthy. This is what you look like unhealthy. Like I just, like you said, I feel like it just paints this picture of this full person, you know, just, I don't know, just the whole spectrum. And I love that. And I really, really identify with this. And it's so I'm a three wing too, like we're talking about. And I think I I heard you say this somewhere or probably watched something, but I originally, when I took the test, I was a seven. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that, and that makes sense. I'm pretty outgoing. I'm like, you know, I like to go do that kind of stuff. And then when I really got down into it, um, I actually almost scored like a three and a two Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my two is barely under my three. And I remember I was in the shower one day and I I don't know. I was probably pregnant. I was, I'm pregnant with my fifth right now. <laughs> oh my and gosh, I was congrats. emotional. <laughs> Thanks. We have four boys, four little boys right wow. now. We're not finding out this one. Um, so I remember though, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. I am so, like you were saying, driven and determined and all these things in my business. And it's like, I can't, it's insatiable almost of me wanting to do and learn and um, whatever. But then I'm such a high two also because like, I feel like a three is my personality, but a two is like my heart behind my business mm-hmm. of helping others and coaching others. And we're also foster parents. And you know what I mean? Like I have this heart to help, but I have this personality that's like really achievement oriented. And so it, the two just go together beautifully. Yeah. And I feel like when I figured that out, I was like, oh, all right, I'm all in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> empowering. Yeah. So it's really cool that you mentioned like the test. So tests are only like 60 to 80% accurate and it's okay to take them. It's a good starting point, but I think it's really helpful 
helpful to know that because I too tested as a type seven and then I tested as a type eight, but I'm actually type three. And I think that confuses people because, you know, we kind of want an official test to tell us like, tell me who I am. But how you figure out your Enneagram type is really through learning the different types and you're going to resonate with one of those core motivations. So Stephanie saying when she really dug into the three wing too, it was like, holy smokes, like, yes, this is me. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure that out. I have clients that, you know, they're like, what's wrong with me? Like, I can't figure out my type. And it's a process. Just like you get to know someone in a relationship, it feels kind of weird, but we have to go through a process of getting to know ourselves because we've always been with ourselves, And so it can be hard to answer those questions of like, wait, why do I care about running a business or why do I want to help people? Like what's the motivation behind it? And so that's the deep work that you have to do. And you can figure out your type by reading, listening to podcasts, really educating yourself about the different types. And that's how you can come to the answer. And tests can be a great starting point to kind of show you what you tested or what numbers are high on your test, but it's not a definite that that's your type. Well, and I, I thought it was really funny once I figured out my type because I was like one of the um, – I don't know if it's unhealthy. I think unhealthy uh, parts of a three is that you're like not very self-aware. And I'm like, well, yeah. that would make sense because I don't feel like I can answer those questions Yeah, <laughs> honestly sometimes. Like when there's 70 questions, I'm like, I don't know. I know what I like. I would like to be like, but I don't – I don't know that yeah. I'm totally fair to myself when I'm doing that. So Yep, that's so true. And I think that's where a lot of people like it really is. It's that intentionality of like actually being able to put an answer to why you do what you do. It can feel frustrating sometimes because it's like, I don't know, I just like doing the thing. But that's the cool thing is when you actually start to get those answers, it's so empowering, which I'm sure you found, Stephanie, or even like we're about yep. to talk with money. You start to right. understand like, oh, that's why I'm overspending or that's why I keep going in debt. Or that's why I'm struggling to make money and you start to get answers. And if you're willing to do that deep work, and when I say deep work, it's being silent with yourself. It's journaling. It's asking yourself questions, sitting long enough until you find the answer. Doing that deep work is what leads to that freedom in your life. I love that. And that's and that's why you coach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why, I mean, I coach, I'm a budget coach. I coach people more logistically, well, and with money mindset. But yes, mm-hmm. it is, it's the deep work that really moves the needle forward. So mm-hmm. I love all of that. And so, yes, we are going to dive into finances here because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. But I also, um, I just wanted to kind of marry these two up because I know that a lot of people who listen also love the Enneagram. So can we just, um, can we hop right in? Can I just give you kind of the floor for a second? Because I know that people are going to be interested in their own specific uh, Enneagram number and how that relates to their finances with keeping in mind the Enneagram is a tool. Mm -hmm. So could you go through kind of all the types just hit on maybe strengths and weaknesses when it comes to finances? Yeah, totally. Okay. So let's just start with type one. So type ones are called the perfectionist or the reformer and their biggest like motivation or their fear is they just want to be right and good. They have a very high standard in life. And so what we can see is that sometimes they're critical of themselves and others. They're very disciplined individuals. So when it comes to money with type ones, they, their strength, this is so cool, is they are very disciplined. So they're the individuals that like a budget could be fun to them. It's fun to get into the logistics. It's fun to figure out like, okay, 
we want to pay off debt. So we have to be making more than we're spending. We have to like work really hard at this. And they're going to, they're going to enjoy that aspect of it where other types are going to be like, oh, that sounds so boring. Like they don't even want to have that conversation. So that is a type one strength. And also for them to focus on what is the right thing to do. So even though I want to go eat out or spend my money here, is this the right thing to do? And they're able to kind of take a step back and take a more logical approach and detach their emotions in the moment, which is so important when it comes to finances. Like you can't spend emotionally all the time or you're going to be in a terrible situation, right? So that's the strength of the type one, but the weakness is that they could be too rigid. So um, with type ones, it's like if they, let's say they're out of debt, they've been saving, they've been building wealth, but they're so rigid with their budget and they really struggle to spend money, like to actually go out to eat and they have the means to do that. Or maybe even with generosity because they're so rigid with their budget or their plan or whatever this belief is in their head, that can be a weakness that they have to work through and asking themselves those deep, that deep work questions of like, why, why am I struggling to spend this money? Like I have the means to it. Do I not value myself? Do I not think this is important? And so that could be really important for them to learn how to work through that and how to spend money because that's equally important as saving money. Absolutely. And I just want to hop in. Sorry, just real quick because, um, yeah, I, so, um, I had talked about this before, um, but I had somebody in my life, I can't remember if if I named them before, so I'm not going to this time, but they're completely out of debt. They like went on the whole Dave Ramsey journey, you know, they're completely out of debt. They are, I mean, including their mortgage, like literally no debt. Yeah. And, um, she had gotten asked to go to a, a trip, like a canoe trip or some kind of whitewater rafting or something like that with a friend. And the whole trip was going to be a thousand dollars. Now, listen, these people are like net worth over millionaires. Okay. So like could totally afford a thousand dollar trip for one weekend with friends. And this person was like, so aggravated that this was going to be a thousand dollars to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And she like really had to journal through like, why am I so upset that I have to spend a thousand? Like I have that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I have no debt. I can do that. But it was like really like almost making her not even want to do the trip because that felt like a lot of money. Mm. And so anyway, she journaled through everything and she just realized she's like, you know what? Fun has never been a worthy bucket for my money to go into Mm. because I've always been in debt. It has always been debt payoff, you know, bare minimum and whatever. And so this is where money mindset comes in, right? It's always ever, it's always evolving. Yeah. But just what you were saying with that, you know, being so rigid with your budget, I think that as seasons change, because sometimes, you know, like if you are in a lot of debt and whatever else, that's fine. And maybe a thousand dollar trip really isn't a great thing to do. However, seasons change. And so you almost have to name what buckets are worthy now because fun is a worthy bucket or a vacation or a break or rest or whatever that might be. So yeah. I'm so glad you shared that that story because that's like a perfect example of what I was just talking about. So there's, I'm going to explain this as well because I feel like this is really going to help with the money and kind of the story you just shared. So the Enneagram types are split into triads and I'll tell you which type is in what triad. So there's the head triad, the gut triad, and the heart triad. And what that means is that's what we primarily lead with. But when we're healthy, we're able to access our head, our gut, and our heart. So an example of having a budget being like super um, strict with that, following a plan, like that's using your head and there's a time to use your head. And then there's a time to use your gut of being like, why do I not want to go on this trip? Like I have the means, logically, I can afford this, but something in me is like resisting this. 
And that's self-awareness is exercising your gut of saying like, what am I feeling? Like, why is there resistance towards this? Like, should I not go on this even though I have the means for it or should I? And it's asking those questions. And then leading with your heart is being very emotionally intelligent with yourself, but also other people's emotions. And so I mentioned like, um, if you just spend your money out of emotion. So if you're feeling sad and you're like, I'm just going to go shopping or if like in the name of generosity, you're just giving and giving and giving, but not taking care of your own needs or getting out of debt for your own family. Like that's a little backwards as well. And that would be an example of using your heart in a negative way. And so it's really important as we become healthy and understand our Enneagram types, you can understand if you maybe leaned more towards using your gut, your head, or your heart. And that can sometimes be a weakness, but learning how to use all three of those with our finances is massive. So the type one is actually in the gut triad. Um, they, They could feel resistance towards that spending. And that's where that deep work comes into play. So, okay, you want me to keep going? Oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. So type two is the helper. So they are in the heart triad. They are big feelers, which is what Stephanie was talking about. She wants to help people, um, utilizing her wing. So type twos, their strength is being generous. Like they are so generous with their time and their money because they, they really do want to see people experience freedom and absolutely love their life. And so that's the type two strength is seeing those needs naturally. Now their weakness can be spending out of emotion or over um, being overly generous and not taking care of their own needs because they can feel guilt or shame around that. And so that's some deep work that type twos have to do is like, why do I feel guilty for taking care of my needs, for putting this money towards debt instead of um, buying someone else another gift And oftentimes, if we go even deeper, that can come back to feeling like the type two wants to be so loved and wanted by other people. And so if they're constantly generous, constantly giving, well, they're subconsciously validating that fear of not being loved and wanted. It's like, well, if you give a gift to someone, of course, they love you for giving a gift, right? But if, if we're trying to find that validation in people, you can see how like the behaviors can start to get really messy and kind of messed up. And so it's really important for type twos to do that work to figure out is this a time to be generous? And something practical that helps type twos that I work with is having like a budget for giving, like give yourself parameters to give gifts because that's a strength of yours, but you might need some boundaries on it so that you can continue to steward your own finances and work in a way that's um, right for your family. Absolutely. Okay. Do you want to comment at all on that one, Stephanie, or you just want me to keep going? You know what? I probably, I'm going to try not to do it on everyone. Okay. (laughs) single one. I probably will hop in, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep going, but please feel free to interrupt. So type threes and Stephanie, you really could speak to this one of like what you feel like is a weakness for you, but type threes in general, they're in the heart triad as well. And their strength is being so ambitious and futuristic. So they're incredible at setting a goal of like, I want to pay off my house or I want to save for this. And then they can go after it because they're good at breaking down a plan and really seeing the in-between steps to get to there. Um, the, the thing that can get in the way for type threes is type threes are very image conscious of themselves and they want to look good in other people's eyes. So if they're unhealthy or they're struggling, they can often want to buy the new shoes, have the nicest car, buy the purse just for the sake of status and looking successful in other people's eyes. And so it's really important that you as a type three define success for yourself. Like what is 
actual success and being able to detach emotionally in the moment to figure out where you're putting your money and what those decisions are. But if you can utilize your strength of being futuristic and saving and direct your ambition toward your like wealth building tool um, of your career, like just saving in that way, then that's going to be massive for you. But Stephanie, I'd love to hear like what you feel like is a weakness for yourself or for threes. Yeah. So I feel like it's really easy to get it backwards, kind of like you, what you were saying. Like for us, um, our debt-free journey, um, I have a whole episode, episode I think 19 is us getting out of debt. But basically, you know, we really upgraded really freaking quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My husband and I, we started dating when I was 16. He was 19. You know, we so we had the like teenage jobs. And then all of a sudden we had our adult jobs. And I mean, I was a teacher. I wasn't making like crazy money, but you know, it's still... You, 40, 38,000 or whatever is a lot to a 21 year old. So it's like, plus your spouse's income. And, um, anyways, and I kind of moved a lot when I was younger. And so I really just wanted to our first house. I really wanted to have our dream house. Like I wanted the Mm -hmm. house that our grandbabies were going to walk up the driveway to one day. And so I was like, that's what I want. And so we went for it when I was like 22 or something. Um, and then came the credit cards to furnish the house. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some space there. Um, and then came the nice cars, the dream car, all of these things until one day I literally woke up and I I had never wanted to be a stay-at-home mom before, but then all of a sudden I did after I had my baby and I was like, okay, wait, I have no choices. And so I feel like um, it was just this up-leveling, this life and you know whatever. And I, I don't know necessarily it was driven by trying to look the part. Um, but it was definitely trying to like live a life that I probably should be living 20 years from now, right now. Yeah. Like it's that ambitious desire to already be there. I really, really am a good visionary. I can like tell you the big picture. I really struggle with the breaking it down and I really struggle to enjoy the process mm-hmm. because I really just want to be at the end result. Yep. Um, and so we downsized, sold the dream, we whatever, got out of debt. Um, and so now I feel like I flipped that on our head and we're saving and I'm learning to enjoy the process, but it's definitely been a process yeah. to learn to I enjoy love that the you process. Mentioned, like you're learning to enjoy the process because it's so true. Like threes want the result right now when we're unhealthy. And and that's the thing is like threes are good at getting results pretty fast. And so it can be hard when there's yeah a long-term goal of like building a dream house or whatever that vision is for you. Um, that is such a good example. And I, I couldn't agree more. And that's the thing, like how you mentioned Stephanie, like you don't know that it was necessarily trying to look the part. I think that's how it is for so many of us Enneagram types, all nine types is that we don't realize like why we want the thing so much, like in the midst of the moment, like we, Stephanie, I'm guessing that was probably success to you where I have, gosh, I could list so many things in my life too, where it's like, that's success for me. And so because I want it, I'm just going to go get it. That's how threes assert themselves. And it's, yeah, it's learning. Like you clearly took a step back and you were like, wait a second. I, what am I doing? Like, I want to actually be a stay at home mom, but I can't do that with where we're at right now. And you had to kind of work backwards, which is so cool to show that you became self-aware because it's easy to just keep living in that cycle. And then if you look around culturally, you start making excuses of like, oh, well, that's just normal. That's what I have to do. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's funny that you just said that might have been success for you because when you said, (laughs) when you were saying that, you know, we typically 
you know, spend things to look the part or whatever. I'm like, I don't know about that. But success for me with that house was I wasn't moving. I wanted like a home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I wanted to not move a million times. I wanted – and to me, for like my family, that was success for yep. me. And so I just went and freaking did it and I was going to figure it out later come hell or high water. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, never mind. That was a stupid decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where I think with the Enneagram types, it can get confusing with typing yourself because type threes – someone who's a type three might be a full-time stay-at-home mom and they're like, I don't feel like a type three because I don't like want this ambitious career. But it's like, no, what's success for you? And that helps clarify it. But yeah, okay, I'm going to keep going because it's yep. this can take a little while to go through. I, I, was gonna say, I told you this could be two hours. All right, I'll keep going. Okay. So type fours, they are called the individualist and they are the last one in the heart triad as well. So very emotional individuals. And what their strength can be is they really have a lot of empathy. They're able to sit with deep feelings that can be dark, that can be hard, that can be positive. They're, they're just like a well of emotions. They're incredible humans. Um, but what they can do is they really can understand the needs in a current situation. Like they can be very present, which can help you with your finances when you're present in the moment to figure out the direction you need to go. So if you're so futuristic, sometimes that can be a downfall. And if you're so stuck in the past, that can be a downfall. Um, but what can get in the way for type fours with finances is being super emotional. So how I mentioned, they can be, they can experience a lot of like sadness, highs and lows when they're average to unhealthy. This causes them to just want to spend. And if they don't feel much motivation, a budget or a financial plan just feels so boring. It feels confusing and they can just shut down and really go off of their emotions. So what we see with a lot of type fours and fours I've worked with is they'll get momentum, positive momentum with their money for a few weeks or a month. But if their emotions start to spiral down, their finances often reflect what's happening inward for them. And so it's really important for type fours to be surrounded by people who can help them um, be accountable, stick to a plan. It's important for fours to have a plan for when they get to that space, because it's not like, oh, hopefully I just never struggle with those emotions again. No, you're going to. So what's your game plan for when that actually happens in order to protect yourself and to protect your money? I love that. Yeah, it's fours are so fascinating. They they're amazing individuals. Um, and that's the cool thing about our Enneagram types is like we can use these strengths in such a beautiful way, or if we don't get a grip on it, you can see how much damage it can go on the other end. Sure. Yeah. So type fives, then this is actually my husband's type, and I'm so blessed for this because oh man, he's helped me so much with money. But type fives are called um the investigator or the thinker. And they're in the head triad, which makes sense with their name. So basically, they retreat inward in order to feel to feel refueled by energy. Um, they love knowledge. They love understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And they're really going to try to get answers in life. So their strength is very similar to ones where they're just logical. They can be very disciplined. Like if you're spending more than you're making, then you're going to go in debt period. And so they're just going to be logical about the process and figure out what do we need to do in order to get to where we want to go. And because they're so in their head, they're very good at detaching from emotions and they can make um, very logical decisions and disregard their emotions in the moment, which is so powerful. And that's what my husband's been great at with me. So an example of that is like, I could like try to persuade him and really want something 
and he's not a jerk. Like he's super kind, but he can just be very logical. And even though I want it so bad, he's able to see what's actually best for us in that moment and articulate it to me and make that decision and hold his ground. Now, what can be a weakness for fives is that they can get so logical, like to the extreme that they're not tapping into their heart and maybe being more generous with their finances because they're struggling to connect with people or to be empathetic or compassionate. Um, They can also struggle to spend and enjoy fun, very similar to type ones, which can be really hard for them. So it's important for fives to, yes, have a strategic plan, but to learn how to enjoy the blessings that have been given to them and to enjoy the hard work that they've put in. You know, I just did this uh, whole marriage series on with finances, like the top 12 arguments that people have in marriage yeah. and uh, about money. And I'm just like, as you're talking through this with just you and your husband, you being a three and your husband being a five or just whatever the dynamics are in mm-hmm. any of your guys's, you know, uh, marriages, it's just really interesting because some of the arguments that we had talked about, I'm just wondering, first of all, I know obviously personality plays into a part, but just taking this kind of stuff into account, especially if you guys listen to um, the past three episodes where we did that mini series on marriage and money, like this is a thing, right? Like we approach money differently. And like Callie is saying, I mean, it's, it's all internal. It's motive. It's motivation, right? What Mm -hmm. we are motivated by internally. And it's like, you know, if you are a one or a five and you're married to a, you know, a two or a whatever, like there can just be natural conflict there and neither are wrong. Um, It's just, but this is also good to know your spouse's Enneagram type or whatever personality, you know, test you guys want to do because of this very thing. You can get to the root of it and it's not this like callous thing. It is genuinely like who they are and who they were created to be. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that, Stephanie. And like you've talked about this where it's getting aligned with your spouse too of like, okay, like we have to have a same goal because if I'm going after a different goal than Kramer, like that's a hot mess. And that's where instead of like trying to change your spouse to be like you and your type, it's like, okay, how do I empower my husband as a type five to lead us in that way? And then how does he have to help me use my gifts and lead our family in that way? We like mesh it together where Maybe we have more fun because of my gifts and we learn how to spend money, but then he helps us save and continue to think long-term. And yeah, it's just beautiful when you can marry those strengths together. Sure. Absolutely. And I just think that too, like if there's, um, you know, there's a blessing that you are different, right? I'm sure there are people that are married to their own number, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're both twos, you guys could really struggle to rein in, like you're saying, you know, giving and whatever else. And you guys could kind of set yourself on fire to keep every, everyone else warm. But having a little bit of that difference in marriage, like we talked about in the last couple of weeks, it's not, you know, if you fight about money, it doesn't mean you have a marriage problem. It's just a normal thing that you just have to ebb and throw and kind of work through. So um, I love that you're talking about all this because I feel like it's actually a great segue in, from our series last week. Good. Awesome. Okay. So type sixes, they are in the head triad as well. They're called the loyalists and such incredible individuals. So their biggest fear is fear itself. They really play through worst case scenario thinking. And so what the strength of a type six is when it comes to money is being planned and prepared. They can, they really care about having security, which is amazing to have money in your bank account and your savings, to have an emergency fund, to have a plan that brings a level of security. And it's very wise to have that. And so when type sixes tap into that, um, 
fear, that subconscious fear that they have, it's really powerful when they ask in a way of like, okay, how can I take action? How can I take ownership with my finances to create security for myself or for my family or for my future that I'm trying to create? Now, what can be hard for type sixes is when they're average to unhealthy, they they really can be emotional beings and just spend in the moment. So if they feel anxious, they just want to get rid of that anxiety as quick as they can. And so buying something literally can bring a level of pleasure, right? Like it kind of satisfies you for just a split second of like, oh, I just got a cute new outfit or I just got a cup of coffee. I'm going to go out to dinner with some friends. And so what can happen is they can get in this habit of spending and spending but it's out of this desire to avoid really what's happening in their life. And they have to do that deep work to kind of slow down and actually heal what's going on in their heart rather than trying to use money as a band-aid. And if they get in that cycle, it's just really dangerous. The other thing is type sixes can tend to be more negative when they're average to unhealthy. And so what we can see here, like Stephanie talks about mindset so much, which I 100% believe like mindset is everything. If you don't believe you can build wealth or get out of debt, like you're not going to, like it starts with your mind. And so if a type six is average to unhealthy and you see or hear this negative language coming out of them, like, oh, well, I'm just young and people are in debt, or it's just really hard to find a job or fill in the blank, that's keeping them from experiencing financial freedom. And it's really important that they, that type sixes start to notice that negativity coming out of their mouth. And you ask yourself the question of like, oh, wow, why, why am I being so negative right now? Why do I have this belief? And is this actually the truth? Or am I just doing this to make an excuse for myself? Hmm. That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure, Stephanie, like you've heard mindsets, like with people you've worked through that, that thing that way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's just so interesting how when we manage our money, it often does reflect what's going on internally with us. And so, again, it's that awareness of asking yourself, like, why am I spending this? Why am I not spending this? And getting to those answers. Well, and finances touch everything. Mm -hmm. Like I say this, I mean, I'm a broken record at this point, but like, they literally touch everything. They they touch your marriage. They touch your friendships. They touch your experiences as a family. They touch um, sometimes your worth. You know, mm-hmm. depending on how you relate to money, they they touch your mood. They touch yeah. your sleep. Like finances touch everything. So I feel like, you know, that's why it is so deeply intertwined with this conversation. Just in general, we're having with the enneagram and your personality because it's like you literally can't go anywhere without your finances being in, you know, influential in some way. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. So type sevens, this is the um, enthusiast. So type sevens have a big desire to be satisfied in life. And what we can see is they often try to pursue the satisfaction by worldly things. So it could be experiences. It could be food. It could be traveling. It could be just going out and doing things. They're very adventurous individuals. So, their strength is they are good at spending money on having fun. Like they are really good at playing. And that's one of the strengths sevens bring to all of us is teaching us how to like be youthful still and get out Mm -hmm. and enjoy things and do experiences, even if it feels nerve wracking. Now, I think it's kind of obvious that can be their weakness as well, is that if they're seeking satisfaction in all these worldly things, well, there's shiny things every single day. There's new experiences to do every day. And Sevens also don't want to be caught in like mundane or boring things. And so sometimes like budgeting or sitting down and having a conversation about money just doesn't feel fun to them. And so they just want to avoid that at all costs. And that's what can get them in the habit of spending and spending and just going from one thing to the next. But 
what that desire really comes from is like trying to fill up that cup. So if a seven can take a step back and really find their satisfaction in something that grounds them. So I'm a woman of faith. So finding my satisfaction in Jesus and helping my clients work through that, then they're no longer looking for things of this world to satisfy them. And they can do the boring mundane things because their hope is not just in this moment of what can fill up my cup. And so they're able to take a step back and be like, okay, I know I need to do a budget. I know I need to have this financial conversation with my spouse, even though it feels boring, it's the right thing to do. And it's just like working out. Like the more you build these muscles and go against the grain of maybe what doesn't feel natural for your personality, you start to get better at it. Like I've worked with type sevens who are incredible at keeping budgets and having a financial plan and really sticking to it because they've exercised that muscle of being um, disciplined with that again and again, and at the same time, learning how to have fun. And so that's really important for sevens to be able to do. And if a seven is in a place where it just feels so boring, try to make it fun. Like maybe you're only going to work on your budget for five minutes or go to your favorite coffee shop to have financial conversations with your spouse. Like you can try to make the environment fun. So that is something you look forward to. And I feel like um, I like just working with people. Listen, because I love the Enneagram, I feel like I try to type people. I don't tell people what their type is, but I feel like I, in my head, I kind of know just especially with spending habits like you're talking about. But it's funny because I feel like culture right now with Pinterest and social media and, you know, whatever, it's like these big, beautiful farmhouse decor houses and, you know, whatever. Just it is. Keeping up with the Joneses kind of has been the, the deal for however many decades at this point. But I realize that sometimes some people that I work with that I feel like are probably sevens that love to do the like going out to eat, they love to travel, weekend trips, all of these things. That culture kind of like pressurized, pressurized, what? Pressures us yeah. to get that like dream house and do all of these things. And then I've, and then I realized through our conversations, they're actually very unhappy in their big, beautiful half a million dollar home mm-hmm. because now they can't really go out to eat all the time and they can't afford that vacation and they can't afford all these things. So I think just this conversation of self-awareness that obviously, you know, not trying to generalize here, but if you are a seven, you know, like I just through conversations, like people who live in a little bit smaller, but still cute homes, that's where they don't want that their income to be completely tied up in their home because they want their income to be able to be freed so that they can actually go and do an experience and whatever, mm-hmm. where somebody who is, you know, different might want the bigger home so that they can host and, you know, do all these things anyway. So that's been very interesting to see that play out with different finances where you kind of want your, your bulk of your finances to land depending on your personality type. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is so good that you bring that up. It's like for all of us asking that question, like, where do I really want my money to go? What experiences, what memories, what are my gifts? How do I put my money towards my gifts? All of that. So the type eight is the next one. This is the challenger and they're in the gut triad along with type nines and ones. So eights, their strength is they're incredibly disciplined. They really desire to have control in life. Um, Their subconscious fear is being controlled by other things. So that's where their strength can come in, which by the way, Dave Ramsey is a type eight. So that's kind of an example. (laughs) When you think of someone who's like disciplined, um, they're taking control of their finances and being grounded of like, my money isn't going to control me and I'm going to tell my money where to go. That's the mentality behind it. And that can be the type eight strength. Now the type eight's weakness, when a type eight is unhealthy or just kind of in this average state of living, 
they really can spend emotionally, which kind of seems um, opposite when I just shared the strength, which it is opposite, <laughs> but they they can spend out of a place of feeling like they don't have control. And so it's almost like validating that core fear again and again. And again, so if they're in debt, if their life just feels so chaotic, they can spend in a way of like trying to gain back control, but they're just not feeling it. And then it continues this cycle of just out of control. Sure. Like kind of like your budget is helping you be in control of your money. But then again, your budget's kind of telling you where to go. Exactly. <laughs> so where your money goes. So it's like this struggle of where you feel, you know, good about it. Exactly. At any point. And I think like you mentioned, Stephanie, like keeping up with the Jones, I, I think all nine types can struggle with that. And so it's really important for us to kind of go back to our core fear motivation, figure out why we're struggling with that. So eights can definitely want to look domineering. They want to be successful, similar to threes. And so eights can get caught up in spending in a sense of like wanting a level of status or respect from people. Threes and ones would do the same. We're like, maybe type twos are spending more in a sense of like wanting to connect with people or in a way of comparing of like just wanting to look super generous. So going back to that motivation of like, oh, why, like, why are these money habits coming back up? And of course, things from our childhood are going to seep into that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So then the last one is the type nine. So the type nine is in the gut triad as well. They're called the peacemakers. And these individuals, when they are healthy, are so good at just being very grounded and logical and thinking of like, what's the right decision? Um, they, they're they okay doing some mundane things. So like budgeting, that's a strength for them. Talking about finances, that's a strength for them. It doesn't feel overwhelming and they're good at just being quiet, present, doing the work that needs to be done. That's their strength. Now their weakness, they have the name peacemaker because they don't like conflict or tension. And so this is where a type nine, if they're feeling tension with money or tension with their spouse with money or just with themselves of maybe what they want to do and finances is um, hindering them from doing what they want to do, Type nines just want to run away from conflict. And so if they're average to unhealthy, they're just going to try to close their eyes and hope that their financial life gets better, but they're not going to do the work that it takes because it feels like it's going to take too much energy. And that's really dangerous when type nines are in that space. The other thing is type nines, because they like to keep peace, they're really good at going with the flow, but that can be dangerous where let's say type nines have a group of friends that want to go out to eat every single week. And then they want to go take this weekend trip. Well, for the sake of not creating conflict, the type nine is just going to do it. They're just going to keep spending. They're going to keep doing it because they couldn't imagine being the one person saying like, actually, I can't, I can't eat out this week. Like that's not in my budget or, or even not even saying that, but just saying no to something. That just feels terrible to a type nine. So if they're average to unhealthy, they can really let other people dictate their spendings because they struggle to stick up for themselves. I feel like that's really interesting. I think that um, you know type nines obviously will struggle with that a lot. But I think a lot of people too. I mean, what is it? Eighty some percent of people are in debt or living paycheck to paycheck right now. And I talk a lot too about friendships and how. You know, one of a big passion of mine is normalizing talking about finances because it's just taboo. You know, mm -hmm. you don't freaking talk about it. And it's like, you can be, and I, and I just bringing this up because you just talked about it. It's like you could have a, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever get together out to eat with your girlfriends and be sitting next or sitting across the table from the girl who was the maid of honor in your wedding, the one who knows all the things 
the ones, you know, your your kid's godmother, your kid, you know, you named mm-hmm. your kid's middle name after her, but you have no idea that you are paying with a debit card because you've planned for this night and she is about to max out a credit card mm-hmm. because you don't talk about finances. And so that dinner feels and tastes different for her, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about it. And so you know what I mean? So I yeah. just like this is this is another reason why, especially if you have a nine friend or really, you know, any of us who are trying to get out of debt or have financial goals, like we got to talk to our girls <laughs> about yeah. what our goals are financially, be it getting out of debt or whatever it might be because of that exact thing. Like we don't want to unknowingly be a source of financial pressure for our favorite people. Absolutely. And I feel like it's so important, like just giving friends options. Like that's something I've really tried to do. Like my husband and I have worked very hard, similar to you, Stephanie, like we are not in debt. We've really worked hard on building wealth. And I'm so blessed for the financial journey we went on when we first got married at 20. And we are where we are because of the work we've done. And I know that everyone's financial situation is different. And so something like when I'm going out with friends or doing things with people, just trying to give them options of maybe something to do that we could go do for free. We could go out to eat just, but without having to be like, I don't know, like super blunt about it. And it totally depends on the level of friendship. Cause you know, some friends you can be extremely blunt and like blunt and say, Hey, is this in your budget? Like, is this the right thing to do? Or should we do something else? But I think when you have relationships that you can give options and be so supportive, it feels amazing. I remember I was, um, in a group of friends in college where it was just like, we would spend and spend and spend. And if I ever like, didn't want to do it, which when I got married, and we started getting control of our money, it, I would say no. And it felt like th- they would make it so personal about them. Like, oh my gosh, Callie hates us. And even if I would explain like our financial goals and what we were doing, there wasn't this support. Now that says a lot about the level of friendship, but I'm just saying like for you, the person, like maybe you're in a lot of financial freedom. It's like, how can you create a safe space for your friends? Um, and how can you come alongside them and their goals and their dreams with their finances and making making sure you're creating that environment to support them? Yeah. Well, and I think that it's just, uh, you know, so important, like normalize budgeting. Yeah. <laughs> I And I feel like what you were saying where it's almost offensive when you have to say no to somebody because technically you could have done that thing because technically you could have put it on a credit card. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you had one. Yeah. But or even saying, if you like, have it in your bank account, but you say no, it's right. like, yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it does. It feels like it's this personal attack and it's like, no, I just have other financial things going on. And uh, but again, we don't freaking talk about it. So it's it's just taboo. And it, like you said, it just has this weird negative feeling around saying no to things. And that just, we need to change that narrative, I feel like. So, you know. Um, okay. So I can keep talking forever, but I know you probably have like stuff to get back to. But just to wrap this up. Um, so I would love it if you could just talk on the fact that really when we are whole and healthy, that we're not just like, and honestly, this might be wrong. You might be like, no, this isn't accurate. But that you're that you're kind of parts of everybody, right? Yeah. Like you are like a challenging, like an eight. Um, you are, you know, achievement oriented, like a three with what feels good and looks good to you. You are detail oriented, like a one. Like you are all of these things when you are at your best. And that, you know, it's all about self-awareness. It's all about self-improvement. And especially if you're looking through the lens of the gospel of becoming the person that God has created you to be specifically and stepping into that power and not shying away from it. And, you know, this morning I actually just made a post on Instagram. This is whatever, but 
you know, I'm a visionary, like we talked about. I'm not very detail oriented, but I actually have been on this journey of figuring out how to be detail oriented. And I used to use it as an excuse, like, mm-hmm. oh, listen, I don't do details. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll just be. But I've learned that it's actually just a skill that I needed to learn yep. to become detail oriented. And I'm reading the 12 week year actually right now, and it's amazing. But they were talking about having a dream without a plan is just called a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that like, made me sober up a little bit, I feel like. So I'm like, okay, so I got to be able to have the visionary and and step into that purpose, but at the same time, be able to get my feet on the ground and do the work day in and day out. So yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you how said you that. Feel like yeah. It's <laughs> we're so all true. healthy that way. It's like, yeah, we can step into so much more wholeness and completeness. And I'd encourage all of you guys listening, like figure out your type. Um, I have a resource on my website. You can go check out calliamons.com to figure out your type if you want support with that. But once you do that, then figure out what does your type look like in health? and unhealth. And you start to see like what Stephanie's saying, how you are pulling from the good parts of all the types and you're becoming this whole, whole and complete human. And I used to be so bad with math and numbers. And when we first got married, I would say things like, I just don't understand numbers. I just don't understand math. Like it's really confusing to me. And now it's not like, because like Stephanie took a step back and learned a skill herself with details. I've taken a step back and learned skill with numbers and just understanding it. And like, this is crazy, but like a hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, like those numbers, like didn't make sense in my head. Like I literally had a hard time like wrapping my mind around it. Like, so how much money do we need for this and this? And I just started to ask questions, started to practice. And so whatever limiting beliefs you guys have, whatever phrases you say, say, like start auditing yourself, start noticing the language that comes out of your mouth and then challenge yourself. Ask yourself, wait, why am I bad with math? Why am I bad with details? Why do I hate a budget? And start to ask yourself those questions so you can find freedom from it and learn how to work through it. Because I love numbers now. I love budgeting meetings. And I know that sounds so nerdy, but seriously, like my husband and I, we can talk about money for hours because it's so fun, but it wouldn't have been that way unless we both of us took a step back and learned how to grow in those skills and understand how to move forward. Absolutely. And I feel like it is so important to do exactly what you just said, Callie, and to, to do an audit. And we're never going to be perfect. There's going to be things that come out of our freaking mouth that yeah. <laughs> it's just out of like frustration or just whatever. And that's totally normal and human and whatever. But at the same time, it's also really important to understand that the words coming out of your mouth, and I'm just going to be specific about money here, but it could be about food, looks, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but the words specifically coming out of your and your husband's mouth about money, we can't afford that. Oh, that's too much. Oh, this, that, whatever. I don't understand mm-hmm. this. Budgeting is sucks. <laughs> like whatever. That Those words start to become your children's inner self-talk about money. And that is where their money mindset is being formed Mm -hmm. um, by what they are hearing from you. And so, like I said, you're going to say something that's probably not the healthiest for them to hear, but it is what it is. But to just begin to understand your uh, approach to money, your personality when it comes to money, that is going to be how you begin to heal um, yourself and grow into who you need to be. Absolutely. I think it's so cool that you've mentioned that like with our kids and what they hear. Cause I feel like, so of course we're not going to be perfect, but even if your child hears you say like, Oh, that's, that's so expensive. Like there's no way we can afford that. But then they hear you catch yourself and you're like, wait a second, why did I say that? And you walk through that with them in that mindset. 
like you're teaching your children how to identify their own limiting beliefs and why they're saying or doing what they're doing, which is so powerful for them to watch their parents model that. Yes. And you cannot do that. You cannot stop yourself if you don't, if you haven't done that work, Mm -hmm. because you're going to, if you haven't done that work, you're not going to even know to stop yourself because it's so. It's normal. Um, Yeah. It's just, that's what just comes out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And which is why, you know, this podcast is all about generational change, but it's not generational change in the sense that we're teaching our kids to do better. It's that we're still alive (laughs) mothers and that we are still breathing humans. And so we still, you know, we, I know that motherhood has so much servitude and whatever, and that's great. But I really focus on just us. Like we are still here, people, and we need to work on ourselves. And then that is automatically going to go overflow into our children, just like you just said, Callie. Where we say something, and because we've done the work, we're going to correct ourselves. Mm. And you can only do that if you've done the work. So. Right. Callie, thank you so much for coming on and talking through this. Um, I feel like there's we just barely like <laughs> scratched <laughs> the surface. On. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but I just really appreciate it. Can you uh, tell my listeners where they can find you um, and uh, website online? coaching, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So CallieAmmons.com is the best place to find all the things. I hang out on Instagram a lot at CallieAmmons. Message me. I love hearing from you guys. And then I also have a podcast about the Enneagram. So if you're like, okay, I just want to start understanding this more, you can search my name or search Living Enneagram. And yeah, we talk all things Enneagram over there. So I would seriously love to meet you guys. Okay, you guys, do you not just like absolutely adore her as much as I do. (laughs) First of all, I loved how she really broke down the strengths and weaknesses of every single type because, you know, we're not just us. Like we, we have spouses and we have children even. Um, We have friends of all different types. And I feel like it really is helpful to really understand not only our type, but other people's type as well. And if you don't know your type, but you're interested in the Enneagram, I'm going to link to some mini courses that Callie has on finding your Enneagram number and your wings. All of that like... (laughs) talk can start to get really confusing, but it's actually very, very simple. So go check that out. Um, If you are somebody who's like, actually, I'm kind of intrigued, but I don't even know what my Enneagram number is. And again, you guys, this is not to tell you who you are, right? It's just a tool to help you dig deeper into what you are motivated by and how you become just the most healthy version of yourself. And like Kelly said, you know, when we are at our healthiest, we pull a little bit of every single number into us in the way that we're acting and responding. So I hope that you guys loved this episode as much as I did. I might want to, <laughs> I might have her back to just explain all things, just general Enneagram. I absolutely loved it. And so don't forget to check out Callie on Instagram at Callie Amons. I have all of that linked in the show notes for you know, her website, her Instagram, all the stuff where you're going to be able to find her. And I look forward to continuing to walk with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.